Audio is recording. Video is recording. Welcome to No Instructions. I'm Bob Claggett. And I'm Josh Price. <laughs> I was kind of asleep last time at the beginning. And going back and listen to it, I'm disappointed with how I sounded. I think once we started talking about Winter Soldier, I woke up a little bit. Okay. So I'm going to try to be more awake. I've had a whole lot of coffee all throughout the day. And so I'm going to try to be more awake. And we watched Winter Soldier. We did. Should we like set up anything or just do this? Now, we're already talking. Okay. Let's keep talking. All right. What do you think about Winter Soldier? It was good. It was really you good. You got to say more than that. It was uh, as good of a Marvel movie as I would hope that it would be with all the hype. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. So like we watched Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. And Ant-Man is just, a, it's a fun movie. But on the, the scale of superhero movies and action movies and like how gripping it is like ant-man is it's fun right yeah winter soldier had all of those other adjectives as you would hope it would have yeah it was a i I feel like it's a suspense movie that's what i told you ahead of time Mm -hmm. like i think it's less of a superhero movie and more of a suspense like thriller thriller that's the word a thriller 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 (laughs) no just suspense feels like uh spooky maybe but thriller is like spy thriller. Yeah, somebody told me that it was a spy movie, which I'm all about. Yeah. It had Robert Redford in it, so automatically you have that spy games kind of feel. So yep. it lends itself to that genre. But yeah. it was really good. I'm glad that I finally got to watch it. Good. And again, I wasn't anti-watching it, and right. I was happy that I did watch it. And there were parts in it. Um, I think I remember I turned to you and go, oh, that's because of that in the next movie. I don't remember what the point is, but I think that there was maybe one, one little spell in the movie where I'm like, oh, okay, that makes more sense now. Like where Falcon, like Falcon's origin Mm -hmm. story. I didn't know that. I just assumed he was some guy with a cool suit. (laughs) He had a, just like showed up one day. Yeah. Hey, that's neat. Just like any other random superhero. Well, like the whole like shield exploding and falling down and not existing anymore. Mm-hmm. Did I mean, had you even noticed that that was a thing in the universe before you saw it happen in that movie? Well, because they don't really lean on that very hard. No, I was trying to remember where in other Marvel movies I had seen the um, what are they called? The hovercraft of the hover aircraft carrier. Yeah. Her- helicarrier. Helicarrier. Because that's in another movie. I didn't remember which one. And so I was I was at a weird disadvantage because I was trying to remember where in the like totality of the MCU mm-hmm. in the timeline this movie fell. Cause I was like, they've been on a helicarrier before. I'm like, but the three helicarriers they had were all smashed up. I was like, was it a secret one? And I couldn't remember which movie it was in. And so that I had to kind of turn off and just enjoy this movie. Right. So now I had to kind of go back or have to, cause I haven't done it already figure out where it played in. I think that was in the first Avengers movie because I remember them like the Avengers getting together and having the like, you know, puffing up their chest conversation with each other. And they Mm -hmm. were on one of those. And that would have been in the first Avengers movie, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because like Banner was there and he was. Yeah, yeah. That's when it was. Okay. What are we working on today? What are you working on? We are building Lego today. Legos. I'm saying Legos. Legos. Go for it. Doesn't matter. Whatever. I'm going to delegitimize this (laughs) podcast already because I put an S on this word. (laughs) That's fun. Multiple sets of Lego. Legos. It feels like, I mean, okay, there's there's this, all the people that scream about that and go, it's not Legos, it's Lego. The fact is, Lego is a made up word. Yep. It is a combination of two separate words stuck together to make the name of this brand. So 
there's no like proper English. It's not even an English word, and it's not even a word. You know what I mean? Like, but I do get the one argument that Lego is the brand, and that brand makes bricks. I I get that totally. So it is a yep. Lego brick. It's not like you went to Applebee's and you ate an Applebee. <laughs> Like you ate an Applebee's, but wouldn't you say we we went to eat Applebee's? Yes, but again, I think that's colloquial, and I don't <laughs> think that that's right in anybody's mind either. And we should not okay. be eating at Applebee's first and foremost. Well, that's true. But I get the purists. I get it is a Lego brick, so we should identify it properly. But but wouldn't you shorten that if you took the brick out of the word? Wouldn't you short that to Legos? In most circles that I know, yes. Okay. Anyway, that's so a that's a fight I'll have all day long because it, it doesn't not with you just with people that complain about it because right. we're building Legos today. Yes, Legos. We're gonna own it. What are you building? I am building the. This is my birthday present from Bob. So thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm building the Brickheads Back to the Future set that's got Marty and Doc Brown holding up to the camera. If so you're you yeah, if you're not watching video, this there is a video version of this, so you can see what we're actually working on. Uh, we're gonna try not to make it necessary. So you can still listen to us jabber without having to see it. But if you want to watch it build or see what the you know kit is, then you can watch on the YouTube channel. I'm building the Tron Legacy. Uh, this is a Lego Ideas uh, number 21 light bike set, which is super dope because I love Tron and I love Legos. Are you a member of the Lego Ideas? Um, I am, but I don't ever go on there. I was... There we go. All right, dump that out. Um, I joined that when it was called something else. What was it called before Lego Ideas? I don't know. It was like, started with a K. It was like Kuko or Kooky or something. Mm. I don't know. But it was called something else before it was called Lego Ideas. And it was a, a community, you know, it was basically the same thing it is now, but it was less formal. And they didn't necessarily pick uh, any of the sets to turn into. It was more just like a, Hey, you make cool stuff. Put pictures of it here right. and we'll vote on it and it'll be neat. And then they started turning some of those into sets. And uh, then it became Lego Ideas as it got formalized. And the Back to the Future, not that set, mm-hmm. but the um, DeLorean set yep. was a Lego Ideas set as well. That's where that came from. Yep. I have, which one? I have the Wally set. Oh. Yep. Which is a phenomenal Lego set. Actually, it was designed. By the guy who created Wally, because from the story, so as the story goes, the designers at Pixar, whenever they were coming up with the robot, they were using Lego to put together their idea really? of the robot. And so they just kind of reverse engineered and made That's that Lego awesome. design, submitted it to the ideas. People loved it and they made it with the quickness. It's a good set. That's super cool. I've never seen that one up close. Oh, but the, I have it. the Voltron set. Oh, man. Yeah. That so, is happening yeah. right here. At some point, whenever it comes out. Weird. When does that come out? I don't know. But it, yeah, that's happening. It's like $180 or something. Well, and there's been talks whether that is too expensive. And I think for what you're getting, I guess relative to Lego, may not be so bad. Yeah, I would say so. Because another Lego idea set that I have that I just bought recently was a Saturn V rocket. Mm-hmm. And it's like three feet of Lego rocket. And it was a little over $100. Yeah. But it comes with the rocket, and it comes with the lunar module and uh, the command module, like on the little flotation pieces with little little moon men. 
But that was one I was following in various forms. It was on the Lego Ideas site. There's a bunch of people that try to do Saturn V rockets. Right. And I loved it. And I backed everyone or supported or up voted or whatever it is that they call yeah. it. And when it finally came out, I'm like, I'm getting that right now. Did it did it meet your expectations? I haven't built it yet. <laughs> Super excited about it, huh? <laughs> it's really big. It's kind of daunting and it's in a really, really like perfectly pretty box. Yeah. And I was going to build it with your dad. Mm -hmm. Like he and I were going to make like a Lego date. Because when I stayed with your parents when I first moved here, we used to do puzzles. Yeah. Which I never really knew that I liked puzzles until I was hanging out with your parents. And I was like, oh, this would be something cool for like Bill and I to do. Yeah. You still can. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm kind of the same way like with. So I have. I'm going to open mine. Yeah. Let's just dump out the first bag here. Probably, I don't know that we'll get all the way through, or I will get all the way through. I'm doing one at a time. So Marty and Doc and the, the Brickheads come in their own independent bags with their own independent set of instructions. So I'm just going to work on Doc right now. I was hoping the bikes were the same way, but it doesn't look like they are. Um, uh, what was I? Uh, oh, oh yeah. So I have the um, the really big lego snow speeder it's like yep substantial mm -hmm. and i've had it for a while and i was really excited about it it was one of those like kind of birthday present to myself gifts because it's real expensive and uh i've had several times to build it like opportunity to sit down at night you know while i'm like hanging out with my wife at the end of the day and i don't want to crack the box it's <laughs> it's just like it's a no and that's exactly how i feel about that that rocket i'm like I, this thing is great i think it's because i don't want to be done with it and if i don't start it then mm -hmm. i won't be done with it so i kind of like keep it at a distance which is not a great idea i guess but this oh, oh, there's a lot of whoa that's oh, a lot of text there are oh they're in different languages i was like wait a minute i have multiple pages mm -hmm. so cuts to the chase at the beginning of these uh lego ideas sets in case you're not familiar they have like a page about the designers they have yeah, page about the characters and about the, in this case, the movie that it's based on, all that stuff. They're pretty cool. You had an idea mm -hmm. uh, the I, other day while we were in the shop. You said you had a you had a question and you were like, this is probably a podcast episode, but. Oh, God, I don't remember what it was. Oh, man, we should have written it down. Well, do we have any other ones? Be yeah, well, I'm, I'm waiting till you get a little further in. Um, to the set? Yeah. Okay. Because I want to, I want to see something, and I think people want to know about you uh, and your infatuation with building, especially your infatuation with Lego. Okay. So what? Why do you have to wait to see that? Because it will be revealed to me shortly. And I think I, I think I'm getting it. So you is are it about, not. Is it about Nolan? You are not Nolan. I am pieces. not. A, okay. You want to talk about the biggest possible waste of time? Yes. Nolan. Explain what Nolan is. For okay. People so for people who don't know. <clears throat> this is the process of laying out the components of a project, in this case, a Lego set, laying them out in a super neat, fully organized way so that like all of the ones that look like this are together and they're all lined up and they're all... I think that makes sense if we took all of the bricks that I have, which right. is like in the tens of thousands of numbers, mm -hmm. If we dumped them all into a big basket and then we're like, okay, let's make the Tron bikes. Maybe that makes sense to break them up and to organize them in a way so that you can find the thing you need. Modern Lego sets come in numbered bags and you need, you open bag number one and then 
the minimum number of pieces necessary are in front of you. You build that bag, then you open b bag number two. It is a lot more compartmentalized, I feel, now than it yeah. used to be. It, oh, yeah, yeah. It didn't always, it didn't always like be like this. But to, I don't know, to me, like, some people enjoy laying those things out. And so that's the fun thing for them. Right on. More power to you. But for me personally, it's, uh, it's only like pushing off the thing that I actually want to do. So See, I think I have a foot in, it. in both camps. There's the the argument against it, or yeah, the the wastefulness of it. I guess the, for time, I kind of like the thrill of the hunt with these pieces. And yeah, if you've played with Lego long enough, and you have like a big bin, and you're looking for you know the one by two or the the little like joystick type thing that has like the single mm -hmm. stud, those are at the bottom because the smaller pieces are going to shake down toward the bottom of your bin. Right. And so I've always found that finding that particular piece, like that diamond in the rough is just as rewarding as putting it where it needs to go. Yeah. And so it's kind of like the where's Waldo of pieces. Like you have this whole just mess of stuff and uh, to be able to kind of scan over it really quick and like, bam, like find the piece you need. I really felt that that was super satisfying. And so by knowing like you're, you're kind of taking that away, hmm. but I'm a very OCD type person. And so there are things in life that I absolutely want, I guess, nulled. Right. Like I would take apart components for like scuba bottles or take apart stuff for helicopters and to put it back in the same order that it was taken out. Like it makes logical sense. Like I took out the screw and then the this and this and this. And I would lay it out in kind of a sequential or chronological order from when I removed it so that I could put it back in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so for something like that, yeah, it has usefulness, but for this, it's, it's the love of the piece and finding that little piece and then getting frustrated that like, they forgot to put a piece in here <laughs> and like, no, it's just upside down or it's a different perspective. You have to look at it differently. Yeah. And I honestly, I don't ever get that frustration of like, I can't find it. It's just part of the process. Like it, it's kind of. Uh, finding a, a specific piece is kind of a thing I don't have to think about, which is why I think I can do this while we have a conversation about something. Mm -hmm. If I had to focus too hard on finding a piece and it bothered me, it would distract me from what we're talking about. But mm -hmm. I think I have like kind of a muscle memory for just being able to flip through and like look for a shape that, uh, in, in fact, the other day, uh, my oldest, he's got these dinosaur sets. A few years ago, they made Lego made these dinosaur sets before Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic World. And so he now wants to remake these sets. And it was really interesting because I just wanted to spend time with him. So we sat down at our big Lego table that I made on YouTube and everything's dumped in it. And he had the, you know, in the back of the instruction booklet, it has a picture of all the different pieces in that set. Right. So we were looking through this giant mass for these pieces. And I found that I was having a conversation with him and it was a great way to spend time with him. But I was having a conversation with him and every once in a while I would look over at the book at this page and just like pick a quadrant and just kind of see the shapes. And then I wouldn't really think about what I was looking for. I would just kind of like flip through the pieces and occasionally something would, I don't, there was like a shape matching thing that was happening mm -hmm. in my subconscious and I'd be like, oh, there it is. And I just pull it out. And and then it got to where I was, I was still finding pieces that I actually didn't need to find anymore because I already found them, but they were still in my head. But I, I wasn't actively... Like, okay, everybody be quiet. I yeah. got to look for this piece. Uh, and that was kind of cool. That was one of the moments in the Lego movie that I love the most. 
like when they turned into like the master builder mode when they were just like yeah. looking around and they knew all the pieces and they had the part numbers and that's how my brain kind of works when I'm working with Lego. Like it's a big mess. It's a huge, like depending on the set that you're working with, it's a big homogenous kind of bundle of garbage. Mm -hmm. And then you can zero in on that one that you, it's, it's really rewarding. I like it a lot. This set comes with clue. No, 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 this is Rensler. I was getting ready to say I was wishing it was Rensler, but it is because it has a little Tron symbol on his, on his chin. That's so cool. The little things. The little things. Oh, and he's even got the double identity discs on the back. All right, so uh, let's jump back to a movie real quick. Before uh, a few months ago, you had never seen Tron Legacy, or you'd never seen the original Tron. I had seen the original Tron. It was oh, okay. just, I saw it a long time ago. It's gotcha. like the last Starfighter. Like I've, I've seen it. I remember really, really liking it. I remember it being a thing, and then I haven't seen it right. in 30, whatever, 20, 30 years. So what were what was your reaction to Tron Legacy without having like the lifelong connectivity to the franchise that because I, I like I went into it, you know, skewed. I loved the original Tron for all of its problems and all of the age that it has now. I was so excited when Tron Legacy came out and I loved it, even though a lot of people hated it That's good. just because it was like a continue a perfect continuation of what I had loved as mm -hmm. a kid. You know, so what was your I liked it. Yeah. I like I mean when I go into a movie, one of my um I'm gonna say core like not a belief, but requirement for a movie is I have to believe it. Okay. Like take me to a galaxy far, far away. Like put me in a situation that is completely crazy because it doesn't exist or it's inside somebody's mind or whatever, and paint that picture so that I believe you. Because if I don't believe you, then what's the point of me sitting there? Like you just did a bad job. If I'm if I'm not like taken from my seat and put into this magical story, and I get it, and I I believe it, right? And that was a movie that I just I believed. It was completely fantastic and nonsensical, and com no way that that could actually happen in any kind of not, sense of the word. But not yet, exactly. Yeah, but I believed it. They painted a story uh, well enough. Well, that just looks silly. <laughs> <laughs> that I was I was along with all the characters. Mm. I got their woes. I got their motivations. It was like cinematically, it was a beautifully shot movie. Yeah, like the color palette and everything, and it was just gorgeous. Um, I really liked it. Cool. A lot of people really didn't, and I don't mm. know if that's because they were expecting something else. Well, or... and that's what I was worried whenever you said that you had. Uh, really really high hopes because you had such deep ties to the franchise in your head because that can be really dangerous sometimes yeah totally. and i think that's where some of these diehard star wars angry star wars fans now kind of are yeah that it's so ingrained and it's not meeting their expectations that they go on twitter and angrily scream at actors but it couldn't right i mean there's no way that anything could meet it, it, the the further you build it up in your mind and the further you are attached to something like the less likely it is that anything could meet up to your expectations. Mm -hmm. And then when you put 30, 40 years in the mix of that expectation being built and it getting deeper and deeper into somebody's like pop culture and, you know, how they relate to things, it's attached to their childhood. I mean, I kind of get like why people don't like the newer Star Wars, but I think they're wrong. <laughs> because well, I... I've accepted the fact that they are a different thing. 
personally. And that's man, this, this is, is going to get this is the solo. This is the solo conversation. No, this is going to be the prequel conversation. Oh, okay. I did not like the prequels, but I understood the prequels. I got holistically, strategically, I got it. I don't really? want to watch them again. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, because, wait okay. So ha- explain that to me. You got it. What do you mean? What did you get? So you went to go see, uh, you went to go see Star Wars like the couple days after you were born. I did. Right? Yep. Those movies as a child for you, like got you hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. You go to McDonald's, you play in the playpen, right? It gets you early and it gets you often. The primacy you have as a kid, the things that you enjoy, the things that you share with your parents are the things that are going to hook you forever. And so to maintain, I think, relevance and legitimacy, they have to hook a younger crowd. Their parents are not really going to like it, but those kids are not going to understand why their parents don't like it. Those kids Hmm. like Jar Jar. Jar Jar's silly and funny. Yeah. And there's the guy with the red face. Like, Deacon loves Darth Maul. Yeah. Darth Maul didn't fit in anywhere. I mean, he kind of does now. Yeah. But the reasons that that I or you or anybody else that loved the original movies hated the prequels are completely irrelevant to a kid who liked the silliness and the bubbliness mm-hmm. and all the fancy colors and all the things. And so strategically, like they just bought themselves another another generation or forty yeah. years of of love and devotion. Because of those silly, stupid movies. And then when they become teenagers and they realize that, oh, the rest of the Star Wars world hated those movies when I kind of liked them. Like now you can flip it and now you can be like, really? ironically hate them because. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I always hated them, too. I mean, like I didn't, I didn't really like them. I was just acting like yeah. everybody else thought it was cool. And it was the same thing with uh, with Jedi because I like Jedi. Oh, I love Jedi. But my mom and like my aunts and people were like, that movie's stupid with the furry little bear things. And like they started crapping on it. And I'm like, I kind of I like <laughs> I like the furry I like bear. Jedi. Yeah. I did too. And so I can relate to these kids who may think or who thought closetly there's a there's a secret like Jar Jar Banks, Jar Jar Banks like fan club. Yeah. But they will never <laughs> Well, I hope oh, not. Whoops. Because I, I mean, you do you, Star Wars people, but uh, strategically, I get it, but I don't like it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm with you there. I, I, the thing I didn't get about the prequels, man, we are in all over the movie verse today. Um, the thing I didn't really, I was just talking about how I could do this and talk at the same time, and now I can't. All right. So this Whoops. piece, I did that one correctly, and then this one is not correct. <laughs> the thing that I didn't get about the prequels, I mean, I didn't like them. I don't want to watch them again, but I, you know, I knew that just like I know now, the movies are not for me anymore. They yep. are for the current people who are on their way to adulthood. Yep. You had yours. Enjoy. I had mine. Exactly. I get it. I totally get it. Now I do enjoy the current ones a little more than a lot of people do, but I didn't like the prequels. The thing I didn't get about it is why it was so politic heavy. Like, like if you're trying to appeal to kids, why spend time talking about Senate meetings and like, like trade negotiations? Yeah, allude to that. Like, as a kid, I never would think, oh, you know what would make an awesome sci-fi movie if people sat around and talked about politics and like trade negotiations and banking clans. 
like with terrible blah. Asian accents. Yeah, I mean that didn't make sense to me. Like I don't know why because you could have gotten the same story points, you could have covered the same ground by allusion to mm-hmm. things rather than like let's show the meeting again. That sounds like a lot of fun. Let's have a council meeting to talk about a thing rather than just like start the scene with somebody storming out of a council meeting and then have a couple people talk about for a second why there was an argument. You know, that, that didn't make a lot of sense to me personally. Um, but I, I have accepted that the current star Wars movies are not for me and I'm okay with that. My kids. Yeah. They're not for me. I, I, I'm going to enjoy them and I do enjoy them. Have you, are you having to enjoy them or you no, do no, no. enjoy them? No, I do enjoy them. Oh, okay. But I like, you know, The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. So they obviously, and I knew this going into it. Like I knew that they were going to go in and they were going to change things. Yep. And I actually called the whole like, they're going to get, they're going to wipe out the Jedi thing like way before it was even titled that. Before it was cool. That. Yeah. I call that because I said like, my whole thought was to keep this franchise alive, they've got to kill off some of the old stuff. They're going to obviously get rid of the cast, the the original trilogy cast. And so part of that means getting rid of some of the tropes. Like you've got to be able to expand force capability mm-hmm. so that there are new crazy effects to be had. You can't just continue to show the same things. And part of doing that means you have to break some of the the rules around what Jedi and Sith can do. Maybe that means getting rid of all those things entirely so there are no more names. It's just like force people. Yeah, force yep. people that like now aren't tied to I've got to be celibate. I've got to be alone. Yeah. I've got to be angry. It can just be like, hey, I've got these crazy powers and I am going to take them as far as I want because I'm not bound to any like religion or any, you know, I don't have a master. I can just be a force person. So I kind of saw that coming and for that to happen, you have to kill off the old stuff. I mean, it's they said it in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> Kylo Ren very pretty clearly clear. explained what they were doing as a character. And I think that's pretty smart. And it's not what I, I would love to see more Jedi stuff and more like stuff that's like I liked growing up. But it's not for me anymore. And that's cool. I'm totally fine with that. And so I like it for what it is, even if it's not for me. See, I guess I've never boiled down what it is I really like about Star Wars. And so then I can't really be disappointed because that point is not highlighted in the newer movies. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I really like... Uh, I mean, did you have a... Have you figured that out? No. Like in that split I kind of don't want to. Oh, really? So um, I really like... I mean, I, I love lots of stuff about Star Wars. I love the spaceships. I love the mm-hmm. the, the fact that it's... Somewhere else, it doesn't have to abide by real rules and things. But the thing that I really enjoy about it is, oddly, the mysticism of it. Yeah. The, this, like, supernatural, the the Jedi stuff. And, like, I don't know. I think it's a really cool idea. And that's the thing that I like to see the most is, like, anytime they've gone into the history of, like, where it came from or how somebody, you know, made an advancement in it or like, I would love, I would love to hear the full backstory, but that would also kind of break some of the magic of it too. But I would love to like have some movies that went deeper into the history of where all that stuff came from. There was a a rumor about 
what The Last Jedi was going to be. And <clears throat> it was based on some old comic that's not canon anymore. But it was something to the effect of the force came from a tree. Ooh. And so there was this tree, and it was supposedly on that island that Luke was on. Mm -hmm. That's where the original force tree was. And maybe that was the tree in the force tree. I don't know. Maybe that was the one that got burned down. I don't know. Um, but there were, I don't remember the whole thing, but there's something about like a tree and that's where the force came from. And there were two babies that were born at this tree from the tree. I don't know. And one was good. One was bad. And so they ended up kind of going down the paths and creating the good and the, the you know, the light and the dark and all this stuff, but it all came from that tree. And so part of the rumor was that they were going to circle back to that tree on the island and Ray and Kylo Ren would be the new unbridled forces of good and evil, light and dark. We're going to meet at that tree and kind of become the same thing or become, I don't know. It got really cloudy because obviously hmm. it was a rumor and it didn't happen. But I thought that would have been cool because it would have gone like super deep into the, where did all this come from? But like I said, then again, maybe it over explains a thing that would lose its magic. You know, if you get to see the trick from the beginning, maybe it's not really that yeah. interesting. So, and obviously they didn't do that. I'm doing this wrong. Wait, is that it? I think that's it. You're missing a piece. You're missing a piece. I am missing a piece. So no, this, not, it's right there. It's like jumping to the, to the set. I'm going to have a little aside really quick. Doc Brown's hair in this brick is crazy. On, but huh. this is wonderful because Lego is so not crazy. Mm -hmm. It's a perfect little system. And so in this perfect little system, all these pieces are like there's angular pieces and round pieces to give him that crazy kind of feathered white hair kind of deal. And this, this is beautifully done. That's pretty cool. They have pieces that don't fit perfectly together. To create this like overlapping kind of, I don't know. Oh yeah, I see what you mean. That like that's what's getting me is this is the first time I can remember in my Lego experience that two pieces have gone together. They're two overlapping curves and they don't completely join. That's interesting. So for people that aren't seeing this, he has two opposing curves. Yeah. That are laying on top of each other, so there's a little gap underneath one of them. But it's used for effect to make it look like hair. That's this pretty is wild. Have you ever seen the um, the Yellow Submarine set? Uh, I see that you have it upstairs. I've never yeah. put it together. So the top of the Yellow Submarine is curvy. Well, the whole submarine's curvy. And so that's one interesting thing. They use a lot of these same pieces. Mm -hmm. um, but then the top of the submarine, the little periscope section, is like this white curvy bubble thing that goes up. And then it has these little red sprout horn things sticking out of it. If you've ever seen the Yellow Submarine, mm -hmm. that's what it looks like. And when I was putting that set together, I was blown away at how they got that shape out of the same pieces that you've used yep. a million times. But it's a, as a vehicle, it's an entirely different, like, structure than anything else I'd ever built. Because it's curvy from front to back in on multiple faces. You know, it's not like it's its flat sides and it's curvy on the top. It's like curvy all over and then has that weird little cloud thing at the top and it comes on a cloud uh like platform which i guess is from the cover i don't really remember but so it's a it's a combination of 
several interesting pieces to make that happen. I've got the base done. That's all that bag was, which is not terribly interesting. Oh, but it acts as like a game grid too. Look at that. Mm -hmm. So you can put your little guys in their little uh, little little thingies. So this like, I've never been all that attracted to the brickheads because they have like the characters from popular movies and mm -hmm. they have this very specific like the Canadians from South Park type style. They look like they would have the floppy heads. But this is really cool. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do a tie-in. All right. I would not expect, and as I'm putting this together, I'm like, what in the world am I doing with these Legos right now? And it's it's this perfect kind of mess that I would never imagine. And this does not fit into my realm of of Lego satisfaction, or at face value, wouldn't. Hmm. I like the technics. I like the mechanics of it. I like the structure of it. And this is a whole different like artistic style than any Lego set. And right. the pieces are going together in a completely like breaking my brain, like shouldn't be allowed type thing. And I think that's why I purposely don't try to look at Star Wars for the thing that I love the most about it. Because if they want to go in a different direction, if they want, if they could care less about the Skywalkers. Right. And they want to tell me about somebody completely new. Like, I'm all about it. Yeah. Let's go. Because and just like these Lego bricks, like it, it's a it's a little weird, but I'm appreciating every little thing that is happening here. And I'm studying this goofy little, what, three inch by two inch little mass of just crazy pieces. Because this is not what I would expect at all out of a hmm. set of Legos. But I'm digging that. Now, do you think something like this would inform how you would build something? Like, is there anything that, you could pull from this and mm. how you would build something in the future. For me, I know that if I were to think about it that way, I would have to build a whole bunch of those. Yes. Before I picked up a trick or picked up a construction method that I could end up like using again. Well, I think the hair, like the hair is, is really what's catching me right now is I'm not even done with his head. I still have the left side or the right side of his head to do. But this just like chaotic pattern. It's something that I don't even know how somebody came up with this. Like uh, studying it deep enough to try to even replicate it, but know mm. that it's possible. Like this is just cool. Yeah. I would have never been able to come up with this on my own. Like make hair. <laughs> like what? White crazy hair. Yeah. Like you would minifig hair. Minifig hair is a mold. Like yeah. you can design that. Right. It's got little spikes, but no, make hair out of square blocks. And both of you guys, like Marty does. Marty's got yeah, a little like got, swoop, a little crew cut got, kind of deal. Got the swoop. And this is something that I, this is completely out of my realm of normal for Lego. And I like it. Huh. Uh, my wife and kids gave me a little Han Solo brickhead. Mm -hmm. And he's got different hair too. Oh, really? Because he's got, you know, like in the movie, he's got the little side flops. Yeah. Or whatever. The feathers. Yeah. He has that. I'm going to dump out the second bag. Ooh, I like the wheels. Cool. I don't like that. All right, what else do we have to talk about? The wheels. Oh, those are cool. Yeah. This reminds me of the like early 90s space sets. The red. Yep. With that like neon you can see through. It doesn't have any of the big tall antenna. Lots of lots of discs and ooh, lots of little pieces. I love the integration from like the technic, the technology with mm -hmm. the studs into the normal Lego sets now. Yeah. How you create foundations and kind of moving pieces. Yeah, they used to be super separate, mm -hmm. but I'm glad they're not anymore. Smart. Whoa, 
I've never seen that. It's weird. There's always like these little, yeah, this like little unique. That seems like a weird piece. That almost looks like a messed up piece. What is that? I don't know. It has a little guy. micro stud or I've something. I've never seen this. And I've noticed more and more lately in the uh, the sets, maybe not in this one. Well, yeah, the orange. I'm trying to hold this up to the camera. They um, they know. put in blocks that are or bricks, not blocks, bricks that are the wrong color if they're hidden. You yep. noticed that? Yeah, this guy did it. There's like bright green and pink pieces. Why? I mean, I'm not, it's fine. Maybe they just have like a surplus of them. And because it's like an, a hidden structural member, like just throw them in there. Yeah, that's true. I guess I'm thinking of them producing a set at a time or uh, the pieces for a set at a time. But I guess they're probably just producing pieces and then packaging sets from those. Uh, somewhat. I guess it's a combination because like, you know, all these with screen printing have to be produced have you ever seen the documentary about the Lego production mm -hmm. process on Netflix? It's super cool. Actually, I think there's two of them, but the one I saw like, was really cool. This little piece that is overlapping his, I'll do air quotes, ear. That is crazy. But that's really fun. So there's one place mm. when we lived in Europe that I did not get to go. I did not get to go to Denmark mm. to go to the Lego world headquarters. And the whenever we left i think like a week later the guys that i was with went on a trip <laughs> naturally i've got a friend uh that went to the college that i went to we met after i was out of college but he went there and he is an amazing illustrator like long story here but he we got time. He's he's somebody who like you you go, hey man, like show me some of your work. And he's like, oh, I don't know, man. It's I don't know. It's like not really good and I don't really want to show it. And then you look at it and you're like, why aren't you drawing comics for every major comic company? Like unbelievable. And so he he went for, I think he went for a sequential art. I don't remember exactly, but he's really, really good. And he uh graduated, came back to go to to uh get his master's, same thing. And then while he was in the master's program, got a job offer from Lego and to do graphic design for packages. And so they, he decided to leave school and like, they were like, I don't know, you know, maybe we'll do it for a year or something. We'll go over and just see how it's, how it goes. And that was two, three years ago. Oh yeah. You'd something be like that. They moved over with, they had um, a girl who's maybe in the nine ten range. They had a baby at the time, and I think she either got pregnant again, like right after they got there, or right before they left. I don't remember. But anyway, so they moved, you know, to Europe with uh, a lot of unknowns, and so he's been working there ever since. And he does graphic design for the packages for uh, the city, not, oh, probably cool. not all of them, but some mm -hmm. of the city sets. And then his wife ended up, she's a graphic designer as well. She ended up getting a job doing graphic design there too in like a different department or whatever. So they both work at Lego now. <laughs> and they have like this crazy awesome childcare system. So if both parent or I think maybe if either parent works at Lego, the kids just like get to go hang out in this awesome <laughs> daycare place at Lego. Mm. Whoa. Hmm. That's new. That is new. So anyway, they love it. 
And that's cool. That would be a, a really good reason to go over there and visit. I get to see them and I could probably get a tour of the Lego place. So Maybe. next year's Maker Central. Actually, they, it was funny because they were in London hmm. like the day or two before. I think it was the day or two before we left or something, but we couldn't catch up with them. But they were just visiting London the same days. So that's my story about a person I know that works at Lego. That's awesome. Yeah. And they have, uh, the company has, I don't know if it's once a month or once every six months or something, but they have these like family day things. Uh, I don't know what they call it. It's not family day, but it's something like that. But they sell like sets at 70% off or something Ooh. to employees. And so they just go, whenever, however often this happens, they just go and they just buy a whole bunch of sets because they're dirt cheap. And so he'll show these pictures, pictures on Facebook of like, yeah, we got this today. And it's like the giant princess castle that's like this big and like, you know, city blocks of buildings and then a bunch of small sets. And he's like, yeah, I spent like 150 bucks. <laughs> I'm just like, ah, but good for them. They get to build a lot. They get to build a lot. All right. So you're done with Doc Brown is done. Doc. Well, I can stop here. How long do we, we need to keep a timer? We should keep a timer because I don't have any idea how long we've been going here. Wait, it says right there, 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Got a little bit of time. Any, any micro topic we could talk about? Uh, if you could go back to Maker Central tomorrow, mm. um, where else would you go? Ooh. Okay, Maker Central was a maker event in Birmingham, England. Uh, my wife and I went just for people who don't know my wife and I went shh, my wife and I went to London for the week beforehand and got to spend time just walking around London and saw a few things but not as much as we could have we kind of just took it easy uh, and then we were in Birmingham for the last couple days for the event so where else would I go in England in Europe what I'll say well either one because it's just as easy to get from the lower half of the island in the United Kingdom to the upper half as it is to go yeah, that's true. from London to anywhere else. True. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of like, I would like to see it all. Is there something that stands out? Um, hmm. Not really. Oh, where are you going? I don't know. Like I, <laughs> I've always liked Scotland for some reason, mm. uh, for no particular reason. It just, I like the vibe of when, because when I think of Scotland, I think of the moors and the foggy mm -hmm. mountain valley combo. Right. You know, like at Skyfall when he's driving out to Skyfall. Like we just need to rent like a Defender and just drive yes. around. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Got so it. I would like to go to Scotland for that part of it. I don't know much else about. What else is it, Scotland? But I think that would be cool to go through that part of the country. Um, I mean, you know, like any of the history stuff would be cool to, to have seen, but nothing really. So that's really, in my experience living there, me. that was really difficult because really? they don't, like when you went to the, the historical society, mm -hmm. they view history differently than we do because there's so much of it that right. it's just a thing. They're just like, eh, it's like 400 years old. Yeah. Mm. So like the house we lived in in Belgium was older than our country. <laughs> it had that's awesome. four different types of brick on the outside because it had been bombed in all these different wars. And it's just, oh, oh, yeah. Build it back up again. Yeah. 
And so I don't say they take it for granted because I'm sure that there is a lot of national heritage and pride, but we don't get that here in the States. And the, yeah. the things that are historical, like we make the park service be in charge of it and charge people money to go see it. And right. So we're there. It's just, it's, oh yeah, it's that thing over there. Mm. So it's interesting. Uh, so that you're talking about the Royal Society. Uh, I got, while I was over there, I got invited by Brady from Hello Internet and uh, a bunch of other stuff. Brady's super busy. I got invited to go to the Royal Society and shoot a video for one of his many, many YouTube channels called Objectivity. And basically it's a, it's like a science, I don't know, what do you call that? It's like a science education. It's like a science depot. Well, the building, I mean, it's just like, oh. it's like they gathered and are continuing to gather science information and it's just a research facility and anybody can go there. It's public, but, um, people still go there and do historical research on science experiments that have been done, not just in England, but predominantly through this society for the last 400 years or something. Mm -hmm. And this was set up by one of the Kings. So anyway, it was really cool to get to go there and just like walk around and see like the insane stuff that they just have laying around. I haven't got to talk about this anywhere, I don't think. Go for it. Maybe on making it. Um, <clears throat> but like we, they took us down into the vault. There's like these big, you know, rolly door. I like any place that has a vault. Yeah, it's awesome. And you had to like step down to fit through the opening in this giant steel wall and stuff. Um, and it's not for security. It's for like fire purposes. But we got to go down there and they showed a bunch of stuff, uh, that, you know, normally if it, just a person walked in off the street and said, I want to see this, then somebody, they'd have to wait for somebody to go down to the vault to get the thing, bring it up and present it in a way that you couldn't necessarily touch it or mess with it. Hmm. But, you know, you could still get access to it for the most part. But anyway, we got to go down there and just like handle stuff. Yeah, I've seen those. And so uh, the one thing we didn't get to handle, because I didn't really want to handle it, but they brought it out and showed it to us was Isaac Newton's death mask. Hmm. And so that it was a, a cast of his face after he died. And it was really weird. They say what it was cast in. They didn't. Okay. I'm not sure. Lead or wax. It wasn't lead. I think it was more of like a plastery hmm. something. Uh, but it had kind of like a two tone finish to it. And you can see pictures of it. There's pictures of it online. Um, you can, you know, still look it up if you have any interest in seeing that. Uh, but it was really cool. And they had a bunch of just random, like, kind of artifacts that weren't really important to anything, but like that, like, you know, that's not going to solve any problems. But it was just a, an artifact around someone related to science. They had uh, his uh, Newton's spectacles, like his <laughs> glasses just in a little case. And they were, like, sitting on a shelf. And he was like kind of rummaging through the shelf. And he's like, oh, yeah, here's Newton's spectacles. And you want to see him? And he's like, yeah, I'll put it over there. It's like he's some like eclectic time traveler that just has all of his, <laughs> his treasures. Yeah. It was crazy, though. Really wild. And this big ledger of um, it was this book. And I, there's a specific name for it. I don't remember. But it's like a sign in book for every time every year they add fellows to the society. And so it's a list of people that were added and then there's a the president. Every time there's a new president of the society, they always sign it. And then every time that a new there's a monarchy change, 
there's a monarch page added within the book, and then everybody in the royal family signs this page. So it has the seal really big, signatures all over it, and they have this since the beginning of this society, and I think that was in 14-something or 16-something. I don't remember. Pretty sure it was 14-something. Long time ago. Hmm. May have been 12. I don't know. But, you know, these pages of with signatures of entire royal families, pretty cool. I don't know yeah. who any of them are. I don't really care. But it was pretty cool just to see it all, mm-hmm. like, you know, written down. And then you flip these pages, and it's like handwritten signatures from Charles Darwin and Isaac Newton and Stephen Hawking and, you know, uh, just every scientist you can imagine and then every scientist that you can't imagine that you never heard of that was really important for some reason. And they're all just in this book. And the book's not like in a glass case. They just pull it down off a shelf and drop it in front of you and like, here, flip through it and see who you can find. So you're like flipping through these pages. It's this thick vellum and you're flipping through it. And no gloves, hmm. no anything. You're just like, and it's funny because in where Isaac Newton signed, there's uh, people always point to it and they don't want to touch his signature, but they point to it and they move their finger along underneath it. And so the guy that signed underneath him, whoever it was, is like getting smudged out of existence because these, and you can see it. It's like, so every time there's a famous person, there's always a smudge line underneath them. And they're like, we got to figure out how to preserve those people because it's not really fair to them. Dave Smith. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess kind of back to the point, like in the U.S. archives, the uh, Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill mm-hmm. of Rights, those things are under crazy thick glass with special lights. The whole rotunda that it's in is really dimly lit mm-hmm. and you can barely see any of it like if you were to look at it now um compared to like the i don't know the declaration of independence you could get in the gift shop how everything is very legible it's kind of yeah. bright and right. awe-inspiring as an american like you look at the actual document and it's barely there hmm. and so for someone to be able to do that with a document that is 300 years older yeah yeah, um, and, and it's uh, not parchment. Like so, the the it, from my understanding, the Declaration of Independence was on parchment paper, which is not a very durable paper anyway. It gets really brittle, dies out. Um, Parchment's like animal skin. Parchment paper is really thin. Well, I don't know what it's made out of, no. so I could be totally off base. But um, the paper that all of this stuff was written on in England was a vellum like really thick pages. Hmm. Like, I obviously didn't try to tear it, but I think you would have trouble <laughs> trying it. Let me check this out, Brady. Like, rip. Um, but I, I think you would have trouble, you know, just you would have to work at it to tear it. And I don't know why that is. I don't know what they used uh, or, or like why they used that particular material. But it was holding up really well in all the documents that we saw. And that's pretty cool. Um, you know, because that stuff's staying around even with as careless as they are about people touching it. And they also have this thing there. Uh, they call it the white glove something. And there's a big card catalog upstairs. It's just a, you know, it's like three feet wide, four feet wide, big card catalog. With all these little drawers. And they do this challenge where you put on this magical white glove, which doesn't mean anything at all. And you open a random drawer, you reach in a ran- pull out a random card. Mm-hmm. And then you go down into the archive and find what that thing is. And so every card in there is 
a book or a letter or an artifact or something that is related to some some sciencey thing that the Royal Society thought was important enough to put in the vault. And yeah. so like they'll do this and sometimes it's, you know, somebody was trying in 1280 whatever, somebody's trying to research why, you know, goat's blood doesn't make the corn grow higher. <laughs> and then so it's like some of them are totally like there's nothing there. It's just a question or it's an experiment that somebody wanted the Royal Society to do. And some of them are like going like a request to what was it? It was like a request to go to this particular place and figure out why all the children were being born with like two heads or three arms or something hmm. crazy. Like legitimate, some weird thing was happening and somebody was trying to but come down and figure this out. And so they have, I think some of those are the videos on objectivity, but they, you know, they just like pick a random card. And I, <laughs> I asked him to look up Claggett to see if there were any Claggetts yeah. in the thing. There was one entry. And the on the card, it said, like, the document that they had was, it was like a land dispute or something. Like, totally <laughs> lame. I was like, maybe we discovered something. And no, it's like somebody, goat came onto my farm, and I'm mad about it, and I'm going to write the Royal Society. <laughs> something. I need a goat-killing ray. Goat, yeah. Now, is that open to the public? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's in the reading room. So it's... It's not see I my Americanness is like could I pay a certain premium and I could go have this white glove fancy like fan experience that I th I think you could go in there and just like wait in line and ask for uh, there's two there's two main librarians they probably have other names that I don't really know exactly what they're supposed to be called there's a guy named Keith the Lord of the Vault <laughs> and Keith is the one that you see in the videos he has like big crazy Einstein hair. And then the guy that helped us, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He was super nice, super knowledgeable. But basically, if they're free, I think they will take you down and show you whatever you want to see. That is bonkers. Yeah. Because their job is to manage the library and to manage all the stuff and get people the research material they need. And that room that we were in that had the, the card catalog, there were probably 10 people in there with books out, like doing research, headphones on, laptops out, looking over old documents, doing some sort of something. So, you know, it's like an active research facility. And I told you this off air, the building that it's in now is not the original building that it was in. The building that it's in now was the Nazi, um, what's the word? The consulate? No, well, yeah, embassy. Okay. It was the Nazi embassy in England and they, when they took the declaration of war to Germany, they took it to that building and served it. And it got like, immediately as soon as they got that, they shut the whole thing down, emptied the building out, and left. Wow. And so like, then they had a free building and they were like, hey, let's Score. put the Royal Society there. <laughs> Pretty cool. But a bunch of people fought over that building. I don't know. Maybe. Or nobody wanted to say it. that like, yeah, now we've, we've vanquished the Nazis and now it's my building. Oh, yeah. We kicked out the Nazis. Yeah, because uh, like Hitler's house in Austria is a restaurant now. Really? Yeah. That's what the government decided to do. The Eagle's Nest is like very famous chalet that's in these beautiful mountains. And it's, well, we don't want to glorify the fact that Hitler had this beautiful house. So we're like, what do we do with it? And we're like, make it a tourist trap. Like, pretty sure he would hate that. Yeah. That, oh, hmm. Okay. And it's beautiful. And it is. It's, it's like, like a restaurant. And you can where 
in the, the big living room, this massive mantle and this very opulent stonework and it's tables where people are eating tourist hot dogs and stuff. That's kind of weird. That seems like they were just going to get rid of it. Well, I don't I mean, know. It's a, it's a I huge don't know anything trap. about like the, uh, the German, how, like how the German people feel about. I think they could benefit from it and kind of give him the finger at the same time. Hmm. Like a bunch of dumb Americans are just going to come trampling all over this thing <laughs> after their bunch of dumb American ancestors are going to drink up all the wine and use his toilets. Pooping on the toilet, yeah. <laughs> all right. We are uh, 55 minutes in. We should wrap it up. Um, almost done. Almost done. I am not. I'm not even done yeah. with one bike, but I'll finish up next week. Uh, where can people find you Boing. for your... Look at that. Just in time. Good job, Marty. <laughs> Great, Scott. I know. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me at the piworkshop.com. Uh, I was just recently on, I'm going to plug that podcast. Do it. Yeah. So you were on the open road podcast twice, which I just learned. I just listened to this cause I hadn't, I didn't know that you were on it, hmm. but they asked me out of the blue if I wanted to be on this thing about, uh, traveling and like RV renovation. And I'm, I'm like, all right, I'll talk about the RV <laughs> some more. And they're like, yeah, Bob talked about it. And I'm like, oh, like, why is Bob on an RV podcast? But whatever. But it's Calvin and Jeremy, these two Canadian guys that have this kind of dumpy Winnebago that they put together and that they're renovating. And it was so much fun talking to those guys. Yeah. It was a good time. They're very nice guys. Their whole thing is about like, uh, it's called Open Road because they want to go out and like still do things. Mm-hmm. You know, like they want to have adventures and everything. And so part of the their podcast is just talking about people who go do things. I think that's pretty neat. Um, you can find both of us at I Like to Make Stuff all over the place and stuff. And if you want to help this show, if you want to make this worthwhile for us to do, we're going to do it because it's fun for us. But if you want to help I Like to Make Stuff as a whole, Patreon is awesome. Um, go to patreon.com slash I Like to Make Stuff and, you know, support there. Maybe we'll do, if the show takes off, people like it, maybe we'll do some patron-specific stuff. That'd be cool. We'll have to think about that. Cool. Um, I guess that's it for this week. We need a fancy sign-off. we got to work on that. We just do this. (laughs) See you next time.